and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, as part of Water Quality Week, I got an update on what impact drainage work and weed control can have on water quality. I'm joined by Agricultural Sustainability Support and Advice Programme Advisors, Mary Roach, covering County Mayo, and Maeve O'Hagan, covering counties Meath, Louth and Dublin, who work with farmers in priority areas of action to help improve water quality. I first asked Mary, what are the most common grass weeds that farmers want to control? Catherine, there's a multitude of weeds out there that farmers want to control, but I'll maybe just do a quick run through the maybe top six as, as we see them. And um, docks are a very common one that's out there. And just the farmers are aware that docks come in two types. There's curled and broadleaf dock. Now they're usually found in intensive farming and there's scourge on silage ground. And then we have rushes and these are found in more wet or marginal type of land and they like acidic type conditions and maybe where there's less grazing taking place and they're found in certain areas of the country as well. We come to the thistle then and similar to the dock there's two different types there's spear and creeping thistle and farmers should be aware of that because there's different methods of controlling both. Um, we have ragworth also in there and um, that's a noxious weed and actually must be controlled by law. <clears throat> Now, that's an unpalatable type of weed and the cattle won't eat it unless it's actually cut and, and the sugar levels are high in it or if it's cut up small in silage. So look, at just be very careful because it is noxious weed if you're controlling that. We have chickweed, which can take over in reseeds if it's not properly controlled at the time um, that the reseed is being carried out and afterwards. And then we have nettles are another common one that they're on some farms and some farms have no problem with them. So they'd be the top six, really, Catherine. And as docks are one of the common weeds that you mentioned, how best is it to control them or both on the chemical and non-chemical methods? Yeah, docks are uh, a huge issue on farm. And the, the reason that they're a huge issue on farm is because one dock plant alone can let go of 60,000 seeds. And it has been found that them seeds that can be viable in soil for up to 70 years. So you can see why they are such a huge problem. Look at as regards control, the number one that people must always look at is, as regards any weed would be non-chemical. So what we're talking about, integrated pest management is what, is what we call that. So every farmer should have a plan which doesn't involve chemicals to start with. And look at, for docks, um, if same as any other weed, growing more grass, you'll have less space for the dock weed to take over. Ensuring that your soil fertility is correct there as well. One thing about the dock, it absolutely loves potassium. So there's no point putting out potassium if you don't require it because the dock loves potassium and it'll absolutely thrive where you put out excess potassium. And look at on grazing fields, just limit the poaching again. If you have a dense sward, you're not going to get the light down to let them seedling docks uh, germinate and grow. And um, topping, very important topping that plant before the seeds take off and get to the next generation. So let the plant grow up, but make sure that you top it before it lets go of any seeds. So they're your non-chemical uh, ways of controlling the dock. And I, I'll mention as well, just maybe reseeding in there as well is very important. Um, reseeding can achieve maybe your best lifetime control of docks and the sward because you're getting rid of the dock at the seedling stage as well when you're reseeding. So you might using chemicals spray off the field and you're getting rid of the adult dock but then four to six weeks later you come along with, with and have a look at if you have a lot of the small seedling docks in there you use a post-emergent spray to control them so then you'll have great grassland and after that hopefully you won't see too much of the docks coming back up just be very careful if you are using chemicals um just a few things on chemicals for docks if make sure that they're actively growing 
Um, if you don't have an actively growing plant there, it will not take up product. So please don't go spraying any weeds if you have a drought condition or if you have a lot of a wet or cold air time of the year when the plant isn't growing. Plant must be growing and it needs to be big enough. It needs to be 150, 250 centimetres across. In other words, good leaf there to take up the actual plant. And just one other thing, if you're using chemicals, I'd say uh, for the docks, if you have a lot of docks there, use the highest water levels that the manufacturer has written on the label, because that way you get a lot more coverage. You're still using the same amount of product, but you're getting a lot more coverage. And that's what you need with docks and, and that they have a big leaf there. You get good coverage and you have good growing conditions when you're using the chemicals for, for the docks. You mentioned there, Mary, the importance of receding to control docks. What's the current situation in relation to the clover safe sprays for any farmer that's considering receding this year? Yes, Catherine, that is uh, arising as an issue. Um, in the reseeds, what you must do, it depends on the actual farmer. When they look at the reseed, they have to see, have they a lot of clover in the reseed? And look at, you will have first of all sprayed off and got rid of the adult dock uh, prior to your reseeding. Then four to six weeks later, you go out and look and see if you have a lot of seedling docks. Now, if you have a lot of clover there, you don't want to use a spray that's going to kill all the clover off as well. So there were these clover safe products and these products basically had the chemical composition. They're what we call 2,4-DB products. Now, the problem at the moment with the 2,4-DB products is that they are coming off license and anybody that has a product, a 2,4-DB product at the moment, the license is up on that and they all must be used by the 31st of October this year. Now, we did hear that they may be applying for an extension to the license, but as I'm speaking to you at the moment, um, them products must be used up by the 31st of October of this year. So that's a clover safe product. It will get rid of the docks, but it will not affect the clover in your reseed. So that's just something we want farmers to have an awareness about at the moment. That's great, Miriam. If a farmer does decide to use pesticides, what must they look out for to avoid any getting into water supplies? Yeah, well, there's two ways that the pesticides sides get into water supplies and unfortunately we had uh, 91 exceedances in 36 supplies la last year in 2020 so there are problems with pesticides getting into water and the way it gets in is gets in by point sources so that's in the yard or when you're handling or mixing so we ask people to be extremely careful when they're handling or mixing we need them to triple rinse and recycle their uh, containers that the product has come in and your mixing and handling has to be carried out at least 20 meters away from any water courses. Then abide by the buffer zones when you're out uh, spraying. Uh, usually it can be anything up to a five meter buffer zone. We're asking farmers if they would consider using low drift nozzles. That would reduce the amount of drift that is actually coming off the sprayer. And uh, again, the weather, absolutely important that there's no rain forecast, there's no standing water in the field. And so if, if you abide by all of those and particularly the buffer zone, and one other thing that the department is very clear about is read the product label, and that will tell you how that product is supposed to be used. Do not put the wrong product into the wrong machinery. There's most products cannot go into a knapsack. They're not licensed for use that way. And a lot of products might be licensed for a boom sprayer, but not for a weed liquor. So follow what it says on the label and that way and abide by the buffer zones. And that will prevent a lot of the problems that we have with pesticides getting into water. And is there any qualification required or what paperwork needs to be completed when you're using sprays on farm area? Yes. Well, again, every farmer out there will have received their BPS maps in the post there, uh, hopefully at the moment. And if you open up that, you will have found in there your paperwork that you have to complete and keep when you're using pesticides on farm. Every farmer must keep a record of what they've used, what product, how they've applied it and what weeds they've used. 
uh, it against. Now, the farmer themselves or the contractor must have a course done and there must be a registered pesticide user and they will have received a pesticide user number and that has to be recorded on that form that they received also. And just one other thing in there, you have to also say, what are your integrated pest management um, decisions that you've taken, whether it is topping or non, what other non-chemical ways you're using, you're operating. And just make sure that your boom sprayer is tested and calibrated every year, that has to be done. And if it's over three years old, um, it also has to have pa passed a test as well. So just make sure that the equipment is fit for use and calibrated and that you're keeping all your uh, products recorded as to what you're using and you're going entirely by what it says they're allowed to do on the label. That's great, Mary. And as you said, the forms for recording it are included in the basic farm payment pack that farmers will have received. Absolutely. And let them make sure that they open them and they keep them. Because if you do get a cross-compliance inspection now, Catherine, that is part of cross-compliance, you can be asked to produce that to show that you have kept a record and that you have used the proper chemical in the proper machinery and also that the person who applied it has the course done and their pesticide user number is also recorded in there. So it's very important. Thanks, Mary. Maeve, how does land drainage impact on water quality? Yeah, Catherine. So um, basically, hydromorphology is uh, actually the second biggest pressure on water quality in Ireland. And that hydromorphology includes land drainage. So what can happen is if land drainage is carried out properly, designed properly and put in place in the correct way, it can actually lower the losses of nutrients and sediment to water courses. Because when we remove that excess water from the land, it leads to better uptake of those nutrients by the plant. However, the problem actually comes around then if that drainage is carried out in an improper manner. And what we want to try and avoid then is to make sure that those drainage channels don't become a pathway for nutrients to then become lost to our water courses. And what can farmers do to minimise this impact? So the first thing that we would ask um, or we would encourage farmers to do is to make sure and only clean the drains when necessary. Um, if you are carrying out drain maintenance when it does need to be done, the main thing we need to be conscious of is that we are minimizing the loss of sediment to water courses. So the problem that sediment causes is when it gets into the water course, it actually blocks up the riverbed and it, it causes a loss of habitats for the invertebrates and the insects that live within the water. As well as that, then the sediment also has phosphorus attached to it. And when the sediment goes into the water course, that phosphorus then can become released into the water and can cause algal blooms and, uh, and issues with, uh, with eutrophication. So what we want to try and do then is minimize that loss. So we can do that by uh, when we're cleaning drains, only clean one side of the drain at, at a time. Make sure that we have a lot of vegetation growing along the bank because this will actually help to trap some of the sediment and prevent it from running in. And then if we are only actually cleaning the lengths of the drain where the flow has been impeded. So if there's no issue with the flow within the drain, then it doesn't need to be cleared out. So only actually clean the drains when, when it is necessary and where it is necessary. And is there a particular time of year when drain maintenance should take place? Well, so again, only if it needs to take place, then drain maintenance should only be carried out between July and September. So we need to be particularly aware of fish and their spawning grounds. So if you're not sure about whether there are spawning grounds within your drains, really important then that we contact the Inland Fisheries Ireland um, and, uh, and consult with them first. 
But again, you know, in terms of when drain maintenance should take place, that's in terms of any clearing out that may need to be done to clear out that silt and sediment. But ongoing management is really important too. So it's, you know, as Mary had pointed out, the ongoing observation of our buffer zones when we're spreading our fertilizer and when we're spraying. So that's, you know, something that we should be observing on an ongoing basis as well. And is there anything that farmers can do to minimize the amount of maintenance that drains may require? Yeah, absolutely. So it all comes back to that sediment again. So minimizing the loss of sediment. So in order to reduce the amount of maintenance that we need to carry out, we want to minimize that sediment actually getting into the drain in the first place. So how we can do that is we can plant hedgerows along our drains. We can fence off our drains as well, prevent livestock um, accessing it because what they, as we know, they can damage the bank and um, and, and cause bank erosion to, to enter into the watercourse then. So um, as well as that, when we are maintaining our, uh, our drains, make sure that the banks have a sufficient slope and that will prevent those banks from collapsing. And then, as I said earlier on as well, just make sure that we're leaving that vegetation there to try and trap the sediment from entering in. So all of those will will uh, will help to improve water quality and it's going to reduce the need for maintenance within the drain then as well. So, so you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Maeve, if farmers want to get more information about how to carry out drainage work and drain maintenance or if they're thinking of undertaking new drainage work, where do they find this information? Yeah, so if a farmer's considering carrying out new drainage works, you know, the very first thing that, that they should do is to consult with their advisor, first of all, and make sure that it is financially worthwhile to carry out the drainage works. So, you know, it, um, it does take, you know, it is quite an expensive uh, undertaking. So are there other things that would be more cost effective that could be carried out instead? So maybe looking at issues around maybe soil fertility to improve the, the, uh, the productivity of the ground. As well as that, it, you know, it's worth bearing in mind that when we look at agri-environmental schemes that may come up in the future, it's more likely that, you know, areas of unimproved grasslands and, you know, wetter areas are more than likely going to receive the higher payments. So, again, just making sure that we're thinking in the long term, is it really the most financially viable option to carry out that new drainage? Now, if you consult with your advisor and they do think that, you know, it's worth going ahead with it, then I would make sure and visit the, you know, the Chagas website and, you know, and click into the, the ASAP section to look at how land drainage can be carried out in a way that minimizes the impact on water quality. And, um, and there's also the Chagas drainage manual is available there, which, uh, which gives some very useful information on how, how to carry it out appropriately. As part of Water Quality Week, where can farmers get more information, Maeve? Yeah, so if they keep an eye on the Chaga social media all throughout Water Quality Week, there'll be um, plenty of information and um, some uh, videos and, uh, and articles available on, um, on the best ways to carry out, uh, carry out drainage works or drain maintenance to reduce that, uh, that impact on water quality. Thanks very much, Maeve and Mary, for joining me on the show. A great update on what impact drainage work and weed control can have on water quality. Thank Thanks you. very much, Catherine. That's all for this week's episode and my thanks to Maeve and Mary for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. For further updates on the Water Quality Week, tune in to the Dairy Edge and Environmental Edge podcasts. 
Until next time, I'm Katrin Egan and thanks for listening.